on the last verse. And before we do that, we're going to take a little trip to the Old Testament and talk a little bit about being in his presence and how he's going to look at us. We're going to see the first example of that given to us in Exodus chapter 12 with the first Passover. And we're going to come back and look at four different words in the last verse on how we give praise and glory and honor to God. And then let me tell you what we're going to do. I purposely made my sermon really short, okay? Some of you don't believe that. But hit your stopwatch. It's not time yet, but when you're ready, hit your stopwatch. And then we're going to take a few moments and some different individuals from our church are going to come up and give praise to God in some of the mission trips that Indian Springs has been on this year. Let me tell you something, gang. We've had the greatest year in missions we've ever had. We've been to the Dominican Republic twice. We've been to Seattle once. We've been to Macedonia, I think, twice. Don is in the Philippines, and Don is not sure he wants him to come home, but he's coming home anyway. He'll be home Friday. We, uh, we have given more money to uh, foreign missions we've ever had, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we take every year. We just blew the cover off. We've got some incredibly new ministries starting in our church in the area of compassion and gospel missions. And I got to tell you, uh, I am just wanting to praise God for how he's allowed us as a church, as a faith family, to uh, touch other people in other places of the world with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do today, okay? My goal is to get you out by, by noon. Uh, so we've got to move quickly. Jude, let's stay in real quickly, God's word. Jude, verse 24 and verse 25, okay? Now to him who is able to keep us or keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in his presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. To our only God, no other God but one God, right? To our only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be, number one, glory, number two, majesty, number three, dominion, and number four, authority, before all time, now and forever, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks, be seated, okay? Now, let me, let me, uh, tried to do this last week, not sure I did it exactly how I wanted to do, but I want you to think with me what it's going to be like on that day that you're presented to God through Christ. Would you think with me about that for a moment? For those who know Christ personally, for those who have seen the, the blackness of their sin and the conviction that comes with sin, and for those who have felt the work of the Holy Spirit in their life convicting them of sin, saved through the blood of Christ, can you imagine with me what it will be on that day when you're presented to the Father through Christ, blameless, with a joy that I'm not sure anybody can ever really write about. Jude tries. In fact, I think Jude does better than any other writer in the New Testament with this doxology and praise. But I'm not even sure that Jude could capture what it's really going to be like. 
And the only way we can hope to even begin to get an idea is when we're honest with ourselves. When we look at the sin in our own life, the wickedness in our own life, and then realize the greatness of the blood of the cross that cleanses us. You see, if Jude had not used the words blameless, if Jude had not used the word great joy, then I think, in fact, old preachers older than me used to paint this idea that, that you, you're going to come into the presence of God crawling on your belly in great fear because of the blackness of your heart and when you see the depravity of your own sin. But that's not how Jude presents this game. Let me tell you something, dear Christian. It's going to be a great day. You're going to come presented to God the Father in the presence of his glory. And he's not going to see you. He's going to see your Christ. He's going to see the blood of the Lamb of God that cleanses you from your sin. And on that moment, instead of cowering away fearfully, you're going to be presented blamelessly. And I want to tell you, dear Christian, there's going to be a joy that you can't get your head around. There's going to be a joy that you can't quite comprehend. Think about it. Clean, declared, justified in the presence of God the Father. Because of not you, but because of Christ. The Christ that lives within you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. You see, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's the Lamb of God that keeps us from stumbling, losing, and presents us without condemnation on that day. Which tells us that God must not look at me. He must look at someone else who's worthy and who's willing. He must look at his son the son of righteousness. He must look at the substitute who will be declared acceptable in God's sight. I want you to take a trip with me back through history. And I want you to take your Bible for just a moment, not long. And I want you to go with me to Exodus chapter 12 for just a moment. There's a lot of examples in the Bible that talk about the, the, the lifting away of the burden of sin and the forgiveness of sin. There's a lot of examples we have in the Bible that ought to thrill our heart and excite us about, about who we are in Christ and, 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 and what it means to be saved. And, and the great motivation ought to provide for us to, to be holy and righteous and live a life pleasing and godly and exalting the Father. Perhaps the best is on that first Passover example. And you know the story of the children of Israel. There they were in bondage, mistreated. And God decided it was time for the children of Israel to be, to be liberated out of Egypt. He chooses a reluctant leader by the name of Moses. You know the story, don't you? Moses is sent by God to release the people and through a series of miracles, the 
finally, Pharaoh said, get out of my presence. Get, go. And they get ready to go. That last plague is the death of the firstborn. It's the beginning of what is called the Passover, where the death angel, when he sees the blood, passes over. You know, you with me on, you tracking with me? And in Exodus chapter 12, there's some verses that I just want to read to you, maybe make a, a thrust of something before we look at those last four words in Jude. Exodus chapter 12, let's, let's read verses 1 through 3 first of all. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, there are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to the father's households, a lamb for each household. Look at verse 5. Now your lamb shall be unblemished, an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now kick in there the word unblemished. It means spotless, without any defect, without any imperfections. Okay, verse 7. Moreover, you shall take some of the blood. They had to kill the lamb, the unblemished lamb, the sinless lamb. And they were to take the blood, and they were to place the blood on the two doorposts, it says in verse 7, on the lintel of the houses in which they ate it, ate the lamb. Verse 11. Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. And don't miss this, it's the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Verse 13 is the key. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Two phrases are very important to us. Did you notice in verse 11, it was called the Lord's Passover? It wasn't called the people's Passover. It was called the Lord's Passover. Why? Because it was the Lord's idea to liberate or deliver the people from bondage. Oftentimes the word salvation means to be delivered or, or liberated. Yes, they were crying out. Yes, they wanted to be out. But beloved, it was the Lord's idea to bring them out. And you see, when we come to this issue of salvation, it's not man's intention. It's not man's goodness. Or man's desire. It's God's desire to save sinners. And then that phrase, verse 13, did you catch it? When I see the blood. Now, beloved, take that first Passover. Bring it to one day in the future. When the church of Jesus Christ is caught up to meet him in the air. When that great marriage supper of the Lamb happens. When the church, the fellowship of the saved, when every blood-bought believer 
is presented before the Father. And the basis of that presentation is not our goodness. But it's the blood of Christ's perfection. Can you get your head around it? That on that day, all of the glory and all of the boasting will be in Christ Jesus. So that when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees his son. He sees the sacrifice of his son. Oh, people, I don't know if you can get it, but this week, looking in a mirror, I thought, oh, my stars. If on that day he saw me, I would be in trouble. On that day, if he saw me, all he would see is my sin. But on that day, he doesn't see me. He sees the Lord Jesus. No wonder that Judas caught up in praise. No wonder Judas caught up in offering to us the greatest doxology. Can you imagine what it must have meant to his readers? There they were in a deep furnace of affliction. There they were being persecuted for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew the church was being infiltrated with ungodly ones pursuing their own passions. And they were called to be obedient and they were called to be faithful until the end. And they were. And Jude said, oh, beloved, hang in there. Be faithful unto the end. For there is a day coming that you be presented blameless in great joy. And gang, anything and everything you've ever done is gone. Never to be recalled. Does that make you feel good? Now I know some of you folks are really sweet. You've probably done nothing bad in your life, okay? So this may not have as much impact on you as it does on people like me and, and whiny. Huh? I know what I'm like. And I know the way I used to live. And I know the way I used to think. And I know what I deserve. And gang, I'm not going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get grace. I'm going to get the blood of the risen lamb. That perfect, blameless, spotless lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. Now that ought to get us in some shouting territory, huh? So therefore, let's look at verse 25 for just a few moments, okay? Notice he says, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ. It's God, the only God, through the means of Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, first of all, be glory. Now, what do you think of when you think of glory? Well, let me give you a word. How about the word radiance? Or the word brightness? That means wavy or, or bright. Or how about perfect excellence when you think of glory? On the morning when our 
Lord was born and they made that wonderful announcement in Luke chapter 2. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were sore afraid. Can you just imagine that kind of glory, huh? One day Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus. And the brilliance of God was so bright, it blinded him. And there was such a change in his life. He went from Saul, the persecutor of the church, to Paul, the ambassador of the church. Can you just imagine that kind of glory? In Revelation chapter 15, the Bible tells us that the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, and no one was able to enter the temple. Can you just imagine that? In Exodus chapter 40, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meetings because the glory of the Lord, the cloud settled on it. The glory of the Lord filled it. Anybody brought? I'll shout, brother. Can you just imagine that? working? Luke, you the man. I'm telling you, besides you're a policeman, I'm not messing with you. And I was teaching the preteens, and we were talking about some of the attributes of God. And so I was talking about the omnipresence of God, the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God. And I said, kids, think about it this way. God doesn't have a watch on his arm. God doesn't have a calendar that he gets up every morning and looks at. 
You see, God is omnipresent. He's in total control because he knows all things. He's unlimited in time. Can you give him glory, he said. Then that word authority. When you think of authority, think this. Not just rule, but the right to rule. God just does what God sees fit to do because God is omnipotent. He's unlimited in power. And I want you to know that everything that's going on in this world today is right on schedule according to the omnipotence of God. In that moment, dear Christian, after laboring for Christ all of your life and standing up for the things of God, there will be a day right on schedule when Jesus Christ, the righteous Lamb of God, will present you blameless into his presence with incredible joy. And all of my sin, I, I made a statement when some, several years ago, and I got in trouble. I did it in church, Dave, which is not smart sometimes. But I got in trouble later. I said, God has a fault. God's got a problem, and it just offended someone. And I said, well, God's got a memory problem. God has forgotten. My sin. The problem is I can't forget it. You know? I, Satan keeps throwing it. And I keep reliving it. But God has buried it. And has separated it. And all Christian, never to be recalled on that day when you stand in his glory. Now notice... He says, before all time, now, right now, right now, and forever. When we stand in his glory, it'll be right through. And that's why Jude can do the only thing that Jude could do. He closed it with amen, and that word means, so be it. So let it be. Okay? Let me read you something, then I'll tell you what we're going to do for a few minutes. Okay. Back in the 18th century, there was a great evangelist by the name of George Whitfield. God used him to help usher in a great awakening, which our land so desperately needs. You agree? Man, I'll tell you, our nation needs a revival. And it's been over 100 years since we've seen the, the, the smile and the breath of God on our land. And I want to tell you, our nation needs a revival in the worst way. And, and we need what it was like back then when the breath of God moved across the nation. And people confessed their sin and fell at the feet of Christ and at the cross and proclaimed Jesus Christ King. Oh, how we need that today as never before. Back in that day, in the 18th century, George Whitfield was one of the prominent men. He captured these two verses as well as anybody. And listen to what he wrote. He said, think. Think with what unspeakable glory those happy souls are now encircled. Who, when on earth, were called to deny themselves. And we're not disobedient to the call. Hark, methinks I hear them chanting their everlasting hallelujahs and spending an eternal day in echoing triumph songs of joy. And do you not long, my brethren, to join this heavenly choir, to join in singing doxologies and songs of praise to the everlasting, blessed, all-glorious, most adorable trinity forever and ever. Do you not long, beloved? Do you not long 
to see that day, to stand in his presence. Do you not long to give him the worship and the praise and the glory that's inhibited by our imperfect humanity? Oh, I tell you, on that day, on that day, I'll finally be able to worship. I want to worship now, don't you? I, man, I want to be free. I, I don't want this humanity to shackle me and my insecurities to mess me up. But it does. But on that day, on that day, when the church of Jesus Christ is gathered together, when through the blood of the Lord Jesus we feast upon the only God and we ascribe our glory to him, that day, you watch me. You listen, because you're going to see your old, imperfect, failing creature without the restrictions of humanity. And you're going to see me worship, and you're going to hear me worship like I've never worshiped and sang before. I'm not saying I'm going to sing good. I'm just saying there's not going to be any shackles, you see. That's the way it ought to be. I want to ask uh, some of our team members to come up now. We... I shared with you, we have had a great year in missions. We've had um, some go to Macedonia, Dominican Republic. We had some go to Seattle. We're involved in church planning in these areas. From Macedonia, uh, Tony is going to come, and uh, Corey and Barbara Overall is going to speak. From Dominican Wayne Writings is going to come, and he'll speak. And then from uh, Seattle, representing our Seattle team, one of our young preacher boys is going to come. And uh, Wes Akers is going to speak. And Wes, you might have an extra minute or two, okay? Let me remind you as they come. And then at the end, we're going to have a time of invitation because maybe we need to get our heart right. Um, let me mention to you that uh, we're planning. We, Don's in the Philippines. That will pretty much finish up our, our mission outreach, not compassion. We've still got a lot of that going on. But that will probably finish our, our external outside the United States mission work this year. But we are planning an incredible trip in the spring, back to Macedonia. And we're going to be ministering to special needs kids. Our church is good at that. Uh, we've got a recess ministry. We have a special ed. I mean, it's just incredible. Special kids, we're, we're good at it, okay? Uh, and we're going to be planning a trip there, okay? And next Sunday at 4 o'clock, November 9, next Sunday, uh, if you're maybe interested in that, uh, we'd like to invite you to come and be part of the meeting just to get an idea of what we're going to be trying to do. And if you have a heart for special kids, we invite you to come be part of it. Let me just say this, and I'm, gonna try, I'm not going to take, you guys got plenty of time, okay? I'm trying to hurry. I know, I am. I'm trying, I'm trying. I got, yeah, I got one. That's what I told them. They had one minute. But let me tell you something, gang. Uh, you may be thinking, you know, I might would like to do that. I have a heart for that. But man, I don't have any money. Let me tell you how he means brings to us missions. If God calls us to go, and God has called you to go, we don't ask for a penny from you. We just ask your surrender to the obedience of Christ. In all the 18 plus years here that we've gone on mission trips, we've never asked anybody to put in a dollar. If God's in it, God supplies it. And we, Russell, we've never failed to make it, meet, a, meet a trip, have you, brother? And so if you want to go, 
I want you to go. And we'll see what you go. Because it's all about glory and praise to God. Amen? All right, who's first? The prettiest. Who's last, the ugliest? Oh, gee, we got to turn it on. Hey, do that one. The first thing I want to do is thank Indian Springs Baptist Church for the opportunity that uh, Corey and I were given this year to go to Macedonia. We hadn't been home for a week or so. Uh, it was more than I could have imagined, more than I could have hoped for, more than I could have dreamed. And then God was so faithful to allow us to speak to, well, through an interpreter, Macedonians, stalkers, <laughs> uh, but to speak Jesus in any way that we could, whether it was through English classes or through, Corley uh, and I got to participate in parenting classes. But we have a pastor who has a heart for missions. I've been in Baptist Church all my life, and I know that uh, what I knew about missions before now was before Brother Tom came was you sat and you listened to what the missionaries had to tell you when they came back. And it wasn't about encouraging you to be one of those who went. So, uh, and then Russell. We have a gym. Because he knows how to spiritually prepare you before you go. One of the verses he had us memorize uh, started out with brothers and sisters Remember who you were before you were called. And when I found out that we were going to talk this morning and it was uh, praise through Jude, I, I went back just to see who Jude was talking to. And Jude was talking to those who were called. I thought that was pretty uh, unique in the fact. And it hit me so hard. When we got there, the first thing we did was a lot of orientation and a lot of stuff about Macedonia. And then we drove up. And then we walked up, and I'm not, I've not climbed a mountain in a while. We didn't go all the way to the top. But when I was like, okay, what's up here? It wasn't what was up there. We turned around, and there in the valley, with mountains all around, was the city of Prelet, Macedonia. That's where God had sent us. And I felt such a weight because I knew there's, uh, Jack, uh, Jackie and Kyle Kirkpatrick are there as missionaries and then Jeff and Amy are there and I already knew from them they had such a small body of believers and then there's 60 to 70 thousand people in a city and he sent me and then behind me I heard Russell say brothers and sisters remember what you were before you were called. And then I didn't see anybody in that city but just me. And the only difference in them and me is that I have a saving faith through Jesus Christ. Amen. And they don't have that yet. Yet. But we prayed for many. We're still praying for many by name uh, every day that we got to share Christ with. And would I go back 
yes, I would go back tomorrow because the work that I started that I got to be a part of isn't finished. But I did get to love on some people and got loved on by so many, but they just don't know who Jesus Christ really is. So our prayer is that we will continue to pray for Jeff and Amy specific because they are our missionaries there. Thank you. Can I have this podium? I guess so. I want to read a verse. I want to read a verse to you before I talk. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. For many years in my Christian life, I lived it not honoring God. And uh, he finally got enough of that. Four years ago, I had an accident. should have killed me, but it didn't. He spared me. And after that, I thought, you know, he's in control, not me. And so I started honoring God with my life. And then this verse came true. Hope and a future through Christ. Now, uh, I surrendered to mission work. And uh, I've been three times, twice to uh, the Dominican Republic. The first time, besides sharing Jesus, I got something even more precious. I got godly friendships with Wayne, with Kevin, and Bruce. Unbelievable friendships. I went the second time. Danny Johnson called me. He said, Corley, there's an opening. He said, I'm taking some guys from Little Rock Calvary and from Markham Street. Would you like to go? I said, Danny, hang the phone up so I can buy him a ticket. I made some more godly friendships with those men. And then Russell called. And I'm telling you, church, we've got a diamond in the rough through Russell Baker. He loves God and he loves mission work. He wants people to come to know the Christ. We've really got something in Russell. So Barbara and I made a commitment to go to Macedonia. And just a couple of weeks before we left, uh, Tom's daughter, Love, sent a picture over Facebook. And I opened that picture up, and it was a group of their Bible study people. And when I looked at it, there was one young woman. Her eyes just penetrated me. They just imprinted on my heart. And I took that picture over, and I showed it to Barbara. And I said, look at this girl. Look at her eyes. I didn't understand why. Why, God, did you imprint this girl on me? Well, we get to Macedonia, and on Sunday, I led a Bible study on Acts 20 and the characteristics of the Apostle Paul. Guess who my translator was? It was this young woman. She translated with a passion of what I was speaking. I thought she was a believer. What I came to find out, she wasn't. That's why God imprinted her on my heart. Barbara and I witnessed to this young woman. She's 23 years old. She's got a lot of darkness in her life. And she'd open up and she'd just cry. But then she'd put that wall. That wall would come up and she'd back off. Tony gave his testimony. There's another godly relationship I made with Tony. He gave his testimony, but Satan stepped in when he started her cell phone rang and she walked out of the room. And she didn't come back till he was gone. Barbara and I went to her. And we started witnessing to her again. That wall came up. But we got her to agree to come and meet us 
at this school. And Tony and Barbara, Amy and I, for three hours, Tony poured his heart out to that girl with his testimony. We all were in tears. She'd take it in and then she'd put that wall up. And at the end of that, she hadn't made a commitment yet. But I told her, I said, honey, I want to tell you something. I love you with a godly love, like a father loves you. And I'm going to make a promise to you. I don't make many promises in my life. But I promise to you that I am going to pray for you every day. If it takes the rest of my life, I'm going to pray that you receive Christ in your life. God wakes me up sometimes at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning praying for this young woman. I don't know what's going on, why he does that. There may be something going on in her life at that time that I need to pray for, but he wakes me up, and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to pray for that girl. But because I surrendered and I started honoring God, this verse that I read to you, there's hope and future. He's blown me away with what he can do. One of the greatest places we can witness is not across the water, not overseas. It's right here. Go to Walmart. Go to that steel bench in Walmart. Sit down, and I guarantee you within five minutes, God will place somebody there for you to either witness to or for them to pour out a burden on your life. Indian Springs, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this mission work. I'd just like to say uh, thank you as a church. Uh, if you want proof that God still answers prayer, uh, I'm right here. Uh, he sent me, and I promise you, it was words can't express the feeling to know, one, uh, to be used by God, to go to a country that doesn't know him, uh, to know that that I, and I hope, I hope you listen to me, I hope you get this, what we take for granted every single day, and I was guilty of it, every day we take for granted that God blesses our country, that God blesses this church, we have some godly people, and, and to be able to come on Sunday, and to freely worship, and to come in here and call you my family, and to know that not only do we have a loving pastor and, and brother Don and a team, but you know to have you and I don't, I don't want you to ever think that I'll ever take that for granted again, because I know I know God has a has a plan for this church and for you, and I want to say thank you first of all for allowing me to go, uh, and thank you to my heavenly Father for allowing to send me. It's been a prayer of mine for a long time, a long time. My family can tell you, one thing I asked God to do was just use me one day. God, just please allow me to go and to talk about you. And if you know me at all, I love to talk. And that's one thing I got to do. But there are no, there are no boundaries. You know, when God sends you, when God sends these people, you know, you feel his presence. And it's an awesomeness to be just, just to be part of that. Uh, I'm a changed man. Um, and that's my first blessing. And my second one is I'm going to challenge you. As a church, you, you give your money. You know, and I'm guilty too. As a church, we should pray for our missionaries. 
I promise you, we don't pray enough. You have no idea the sacrifices these people make with their wives and their families. And we're going to go have lunch today. You're going to see your loved ones. They don't see them. They're apart. They do an incredible job, and they have, and, and they're doing God's work, and they don't complain. But they need our prayers each and every day, more than you'll ever know, and our support. So first of all, thank you, church, for allowing me to go. And thank you for your support. And hopefully, you know, God will, and I'll do it again. Russell, thank you. Bruce, I went to the Vindican twice. And one thing I learned in Philippians, what God starts, he finishes. We went down this dirt road in February, and there was just a piece of ground. We went back in September and go around this bend, and there's a blue and white church. And you tell me that God doesn't finish what he starts. And I am so grateful that you let me go to the Dominican twice, and I would go back in a minute. I want to thank you for that. Bruce, you're in trouble. You stole my thunder. <laughs> uh, I want you to imprint that picture in your mind. That's the blue church he was talking about. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit of story about that here in just a second. But I, I just want to say thank you to the congregation. Thank you to this church. Thank you to the pastor for being a mission-minded church, an Acts 1-8 church, uh, who believes and, and actually supports and, 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 and actually lives that out in, in, in sending us over there because... It's just a true blessing, but again, as a blessing as it was for us, and as great it is, as it is that you support missions, this is all about the glory to God, uh, and, and please know that I'm excited about being up here, but I don't want to take any credit for that right there, because that's all him. Um, I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Um, we, we went in February, and we shared, we shared the gospel house to house in that village that Bruce talked about, and we come back in September, and there's that blue church. It's Noah's Ark. If you can't see it, it's uh, Arca de Noah. It's Noah's Ark Baptist Church. That's a church plant from Indian Springs, and that's through the cooperative program. Tom talks about it sometimes, but that's the money that we give to the Pulaski Baptist Association, and that's the money cooperatively as churches that we put toward building churches like that. I've never been so blessed to have to, to just worship in a 16 by 36 wooden building. I mean, it, it's just it's a true blessing. Corley got to go and help build that building uh, on an earlier mission trip, but that's, that's just awesome to be a part of. And that, that right there just is, it spells out what we do uh, going on these mission trips. We're, we're averaging 80 to 100 people on, on services weekly on that, and they're hearing the gospel. We are planting the seed. Uh, and sharing the gospel like we're supposed to, like, like the Bible tells us to do. Um, uh, and I just, I want to thank the church for supporting missions. Um, I want to leave you with a verse, um, kind of jumped out at me this week about the work that we're doing. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. What we do, where we go, 
All these trips, it's not in vain. It's for the glory of the Lord, and we're here to praise Him for it, and that's it. And I hope that if you feel this, that maybe you can you can come along for the journey some at some point in the future. We go on these trips regularly. If you're feeling that pull, come on, come on with us, and it'll be a true blessing to you, and it'll be a glory a glorious uh, thing to God. Thank you so much. What's up? I'm uh I'm Wes Akers. Uh, I got to go to Seattle with about seven people. Um, when they asked me to speak, I didn't know if it was because I was the prettiest or the youngest. But then Brother Don went, so it's because I'm the youngest. Um, speaking of Brother Don, I know he's not here, so I can just say this. Um, he's a wonderful, wonderful uh, roommate when he's awake. And so don't take that how you want to. But, um, you know, uh, coming from Arkansas, going up to Seattle, um, I didn't really know how to take it when, when, I, when I left here. And uh, the first thought was there's going to be a lot of concrete and there's going to be a lot of different people. And so we get there, and that is totally correct. There's a bunch of concrete and a bunch of a lot of different people. And, and at first, I, my heart was hard, and I was like, man, these people are just in left field. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. You know, it's a lot different than it is here. And then, and then I meet Will and Stacy, the people in charge of the church plant. It's their church. And God laid on my heart, you know, it, it was people were in left field when Jesus came around, but yeah, he loved them in the direction they needed to go. And that's what Will and Stacy were doing. They were, they're, they're loving people in the direction they needed to go. And I learned that from them, and they're continuing to do that, just, just telling, about, telling about Jesus and just showing it through their actions. Not by just slamming it in their face, but showing it through their actions. And, you know, speaking of their church, going to church, you know, it's, when they do things, it's not what's going to benefit our church financially or more members or this or that or another, the congregation grow. It's not that. It's, it's what's going to benefit God. What's going what's to let other people know about Jesus. And that's, that's their goal. It's not, their goal is not church. Their goal is for God. And, and that's exciting. And, and I want to tell you all their name. Will and Stacy, I, I, I ask you all to pray for them. And, and also, I also ask you all to pray that the people of Seattle and that area of Ballard in Seattle, that know to know John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He who believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the only name of the only begotten Son of God. Thank you, guys. Let me, uh, let me ask you to bow your head for just a moment.